Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of LCBJJ Talks. I'm your host, Carlos. Uh, with me this week is uh, Josh. Josh is an assistant instructor here at Lake County. He does the 6 a.m. classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, we got him fresh off his victory at Fight to Win. Um, that makes two for him at the time. Um, he was a purple belt. I just recently promoted him up to brown belt. Um, you know, my pleasure f- to promote him to the next level. I'm just really excited to see all the good things that happened to him. So he'll talk a little bit about his fight to win experience, uh, his victory, what he did to kind of prep for it, and what he does to prep for um, competitions, upcoming competitions, and just overall his approach to jiu-jitsu, his philosophy, his outlook. Uh, pretty interesting conversation, so I was pretty glad to have him on, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy. Thanks. See ya. And go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's up, Josh? What's up? So I'm here with Josh Chavez, fresh off his fight to win victory. Um, so how's it going? Good, good. Thanks for, uh, thanks, for, thanks for hopping in. And in the background, you guys will probably hear stuff and clicking away. Hello. <laughs> that, I didn't actually ask you to say hi. Hi at seven. Go in the corner. <laughs> um, so um, how would uh, so how'd you feel after your uh, after your victory? Uh, well, first, it was just the overall excitement because oh. you know the match went almost the entire distance, and just to be able to finish right at the end after I was just physically exhausted, just that feeling of relief. Did you? Would you finish him with uh, corkscrew? Is that, uh, did you use a wedge? What was the conceptual? <laughs> the conceptual uh, thing. What was the concept behind you the using concept of it was of that. a wedge? And uh, we have about an hour, so go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, John Danaher's aisle. So I was not in inside Sekaku. I was in 50-50, and yeah. he was just lazy, and I just attacked first. Was, lazy, lazy with his feet. Yeah, he was just like lazy with class, his feet. The whole match. Yeah, and yeah. He didn't really have anything dangerous with footlocks. It was just annoying more than anything. Yeah. And just making sure that I wasn't getting too frustrated and uh, making sure my knee line was where it needed to be, where I was safe, because he wasn't really attacking my knee per se. He was more focused on separating my feet, which was strange, but I didn't want to come up and... What do you mean separating your feet? So like literally like pulling it apart. Yeah, like he was just <laughs> like I figured four, and he would just was doing everything to separate. He doesn't. Go ahead, keep him. Yeah, he was just doing everything to separate my feet and uh, just to break the figure four, but never did anything after that. He never did anything to control my knee position. So okay. I was never in danger, and that's why I was able to spin to fifty fifty. Then he was just holding 50-50, went for half-ass toe hold, but I was already cranking down on the corkscrew and broke his ankle. That, that Oof. Pretty. Yeah, because it swung up. I saw him when he walked off, or didn't walk off. He kind of got carried off, and his foot kind of blew up real quick. So that's not good. Yeah. It's not a good thing. My foot's popped, but it's never swollen. Yeah. That one. That one's not good. That didn't look good. Yeah. Um, 
It, it was one thing because it popped, it like gave way, but then it felt like he was still fighting it, which was very strange. And I was like, okay, like I'll hold it then because I know you're good. Feel like a lot of people don't know about the corkscrew. Yeah, and they like when you know about it, it you're like, ah, what the? F-? You're kind of like, fuck, that hurts. Yeah, but like people, don't, I don't think. If they don't know about it, they're just kind of like, oh, yeah, sure, you're just bending like, oh, fuck, it's too late, yeah. type of thing. Yeah. Um, how would, uh, so how's your prep going into it? What was it? Uh, I felt very good. It was just uh, one of those things where it's definitely more mentally for me now, where because uh, I can only train so often uh, because of work and kids, but I feel like my mental preparation is always there. And definitely my wife supporting me and coming to a little more night classes more than usual definitely helped in my preparation. But I felt solid, just felt like it was another day on the mat. Mm. Yeah, that's what I usually tell, tell those people when they do this. When I tell the super fights, it's just like it's just another day. Usually don't see the, the people, at least I never did. I don't really. But uh, <clears throat> I know when Patty did hers, it was kind of the opposite because I thought that they were going to turn the lights off, but they actually had the lights on. Mm-hmm. So you could actually see everybody. They yeah. didn't turn off the lights until the black belts, I think, went on. Mm-hmm. I don't know. By that time, we were gone. But, yeah, I kind of fucked up on that one. But uh, fight to win, they usually all the lights are off anyway. So Yeah. I usually like seeing, like, the crowd. I like getting there early. I like walking out, walking into the crowd. That way it's not as much of a shock to me when I, like, mm-hmm. walk mm-hmm. out. Because, um, yeah, it's a lot to take in. Like, the smoke, the music blaring, like, the, everybody just beating on the mat. But going out there a few fights before and, like, just seeing how the crowd's reacting definitely helps calm those side of the nerves for me. Yeah. The only thing that was strange was that he was warming up on the mat that I was supposed to be warming up on. So I kind of went to the side. I was like, because I don't really like looking at my opponent. Or if I do, I just focus on getting my grip. Or like they, um, My biggest concern is when you do those things is the stairs going onto the walkway. Yeah. Because I'm like, I'm probably going to fall on this motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. So I usually crawl up the stairs. I don't walk up the stairs. Like, I don't walk up the stairs. Mm-hmm. I usually, like, go on my hands and knees like a little kid and go up because yeah. I'm like, I'm going to fall. <laughs> and then um, those aren't very stable platforms because I was, God, who the hell was walking on it? And I was sitting next to it, and I could feel it, like, just shaking. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know what you're doing, dude, but this is going to bust. <laughs> this is going to break. Yeah. And you're going to fall off, and you're going to look like an idiot. Um, <laughs> that's my biggest thing is not, uh, not looking like an idiot. Right, Stefan? Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we have some audience here because Lou decides to come in 10 hours early before class. And just, then, to uh, and just to sit and stalk. Sit and stalk. And then whatever, but you, what kind of, um, you talked about getting mentally prepared. What kind of stuff do you do? What do you recommend for people out there? Cause I know that was one of the questions from the Facebook group that we decided to ask, or uh, some people were asking, I, I think, I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention to those questions, but I think I saw something in there. What kind of, what's, what do you do? Um, so I took mental preparation for granted uh, a long, uh, for a long time in my training. I've been training for over eight years and I used to train three times a day, six days a week. 
and used to think that if I worked that hard, then mm. I should just be like getting results because I'm like putting in the effort. I'm putting right, in the work. Right. And I then, think everybody is like that. And then I wasn't getting those results all the time. Like I would go to Worlds and I'd lose like my second match or like go to trials and lose my first match. And it's like, oh, what's, what's going on here? And uh, it wasn't until last year's Chicago Open that uh, when Italo, uh, I forget his last name, was in my division and he was like winning everything. And then I was like, okay, I'm gonna devise this whole game plan on how to beat Italo because he plays uh, sleep, collar sleep guard. And I never even faced the dude. Yeah. Like, so uh, it really, like, I really soul searched into what I need to do to mentally prepare. And I can't focus on things I can't control. I can't control that the guy won worlds because I wasn't there or that he signed up and competed and I didn't compete or right. I can't control or focus on those things. I can only control what I trained. My game is getting my grip. I can't focus on winning. Like I, I don't want to focus on winning because I don't want to focus on the result. I want to focus on my performance and just trying to show my jujitsu and live by the sword, die by the sword. And that's, that's the goal. As long as I do that, I'll be content, and I lost this year at Chicago Open, but I was super content with how I played because it was fully me. Like, I didn't lose not playing my game. Like, mm -hmm. I lost, right. and so what? Move on to the next one. Right. And then fix those minor details, and even in this uh, victory, like, there's still a couple things that I saw. Looking back, I watch it over and over, and... Uh, I could have done this differently, but at the same time, I'm still happy that I got to show my style, and that's all due to my mental training of wanting to showcase my style and not focus on results or pressure. Because there was time like where I trained before, it was known that I was on the back burner, right? Mm -hmm. I was held at blue belt for a longer period of time because they wanted me to win worlds, which added that little bit of extra pressure because like, oh, if I don't win Worlds, like, I'm not You're getting failing. promoted. Like, I'm yeah, failing. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And then it wasn't a good feeling when one of my coaches, like, I lost, and then they would just, like, walk off. Like, mm -hmm. like I wasn't there. Like, that, that, I would say, like, being here with you and uh, Patty, like, the way that you treat us, like, as a competition, you're just proud of us for going out there and competing and not using that as a sole reason for why we're getting promoted or however, like, that has nothing to do with it. It's just a tournament. It's just a tournament for us to showcase and represent, mm -hmm. and hopefully we do a good job representing just by stepping out, and it's an honor to step out there. But the way that y'all handle victories and defeats is just awesome. Like, I... I really appreciate that aspect of it because being from a school where I would have to do these micro tournaments just to try to make a team yeah, because uh, Alliance is so big and now it's like, no, it doesn't matter. Like go out there, just do what you do and you're, I, I'm having so much more fun. That's and, funny because I want to change it to tryouts. <laughs> That's weird. I wanted to actually change it. <laughs> Lou would be cut right away. Like he'd be on the what's what team? F team maybe. F team. <laughs> F team. <laughs> fucking fucking the fucking team. Um, that's interesting because so what so we you, what kind of me mental prep do you actually do? Because I've talked about <clears throat> what I do and I usually. I guess it's borderline meditation, 
um, even though I don't consider it too much. But it is, you know, it is. Yeah. It's and Stefan talked about it as well. What he does, what he did, it was very, uh, very similar. What 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 methods? What what do you do? Do you sit? Do you yeah. cry? Do you do it in the shower? Well, I do it in the shower. That's that's one thing for sure. I do. Are you crying? But um, <laughs> every, every day I do stretch at the beginning of the day when I wake up and I stretch before I go to bed. And that's usually when I do a lot of my visualization. And I never, I got into the habit of visualizing being in bad positions and trying to get out of those. Mm-hmm. And for me, that really didn't work. Just didn't? It, it didn't work okay. just because okay. I would focus, I found myself focusing on the negative of being in a bad position. Right. So I changed it to where I would just focus on getting my grips and like implementing my game and then switching up like because I have plan A, plan B, just switching between those Mm -hmm. and really hyper focusing on small goals and not like the end result, just visualizing those small goals and implementing that and just being content with those small wins of getting my grip and playing my game. And I feel like that has taken this pressure thing completely off of me that's what like because it could be a lot especially with fight to win like i'm selling people there's party buses coming there's like (laughs) all these all these people coming out and yeah it could be overwhelming if i really thought about if i really focused on oh there's all these people i don't want to let these people down because they came out and saw me like i as long as i visualize and focus on what i need to do then i'll be fine yeah that's always the thing that's what Marcelo says. Marcelo says, I worry about what I do, not worry. I don't worry about what my opponent does. Yeah. He goes, the minute, he, I think he was talking about himself, and he goes, the moment they start worrying about what I do, they lost. Yeah. And okay. I don't ever like game planning, which is funny because I don't, I don't like the game plan. I like to have, like, an idea of what this person does. Like, this person's got a good takedown. What should mm-hmm. I look for? What kind of grip should I look for? But beyond that, it's like, yeah, I don't care. Like, I do not care. Like, but like, oh, you face this guy. He's, you know, he's been doing jiu-jitsu longer than I have. I'm like, he's, you know, do this. And maybe I'll look him up and be like, oh, great, cool, great, awesome. But, like, I don't specifically, like, game plan. Maybe at the adult higher, higher levels you do, and it works out because I've heard heard other people, other coaches will say, we got to get game plan because he's going to grab this, especially against uh, somebody like Keenan. Yeah. You had to game plan against him, you know, because he's going to come in, he's going to grab that grip, and then, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, he gets exactly. a certain grip, so on and so forth. But, like, I think that, I guess, well, I do, I mean, it's a master's black belt, so these guys' games are, it is what it is, and they're, yeah. like, 30-some years old, <laughs> and it is what it is, and they're not going to change it. So I do look them up, and I say, okay, well, it's, okay, I got an idea of what they're doing. Yeah. And that's it. And then I'm like, that's it, I'm done. Because, the more, because, again, it goes back to, like, you should do this, you should do that. And it's like people have come up to me like, hey, man, you should do this. How about no? How about I don't do that? How about I do what I do? And then yeah. I fucking, if exactly. he passes my guard, cool. If he doesn't, well, it's going to be in a world of pain. Exactly. I mean, I've ever since I started competing, I've never fully game planned for a certain opponent, especially because I was adult and my – I adult worlds at Blue Belt for lightweight. I had 130 people in my division. There's no game planning for all those people. Like now, I gotta focus on my grips and playing my yeah. game. And that's that's what it is. It's a that belt and weight. That's just a. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Whoever whoever can last the longest <laughs> yeah. at that point, and you're just like, ugh. 
Because, I mean, that's, dude, that's like 10 matches. Yeah, easily. Uh, in like a day. Yeah. It wasn't like they split it up. It wasn't like... Edit started, like, the division would start, like, it would be the first division in the morning. It would be like, yeah. what, 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And it wouldn't end until like 5 because there's just... There's too many people. There's so many matches. And it was ridiculous. See, that's why I think they should move the adult world to the Bren Center. Yeah. The in Irvine. Mm-hmm. It's such a bigger venue. And it, the pyramid's so small. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, like, it's so small, and there's no areas for you to coach. Mm. You know, as a coach, there's no, there's nothing because I've been there for tournaments. I've been there for, um, well, just, yeah, tournaments. But, like, there's no there's no place. There's no good place. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, be, the between you and the mat, it's, like, 20 feet. Yeah. And there's no... The there, start of the mat, that's not counting... The, no. the, when they go into the middle and yep, start exactly. the match. So it's like you don't even coach. You don't hear anybody. I've competed there. It's like I don't hear anyone. It's mm-hmm. like whatever. And at the Brens, at least I the coaching area is a lot closer because of them. Or for Pan Ams, you know, it's closer. They have their own area. I think mm-hmm. you don't have to fight through the the crowd of the crowd people. Standing who, on the bleachers. And standing <laughs> on the bleachers who got there first and they got the first row and they're like, we're claiming this row. And be like, hey, man, can I... Can I just but can I just scoot in? I'm trying to coach for like five minutes. Yeah. No, and it's like, are you fucking serious? I just thought it was funny, like looking back at it, like the old world's days, like on Budo videos and stuff, and seeing that they would win a match and run like you know, it seemed like they would run a mile before they went and hugged their coach after winning Black yeah. Worlds because they're jumping into the bleachers to hug their coach. Yeah. And it's always ridiculous. <laughs> but now it's like, uh, I don't, I don't like when it's there. I like, I'm a, this should be, it should be. It should be at, um, I think it should be at Brent's, to be honest, because it's just bigger. But, um, so you do like, so you do a lot of vis- vis- visualization. Do you do that all the time? Do you do it two, three times a week? Do you do it a lot more going up into a tournament or? I do a it a lot more going up into, like, once I'm signed up for a tournament, I'm immediately. That's when you start doing it? I immediately start yeah. doing it. Because other than that, like, Everyday training, I shouldn't be visualizing on what I'm trying to fully accomplish, like at the gym, because at the gym it's supposed to be fun. It's our lab to try new things. It's like for me, for me, I try to find new things because I don't want to, like, I never want to be. That's what drew me to jujitsu is this constant growth, right? Like this constant learning of something new. I never want to be that person that just has one go-to move and like just does it over and over and over again i like doing that for tournament prep and stuff like that like but when it's not tournament time like i like just rolling and i think that comes from my my game now of only being able to do 6 a.m classes or do these little classes here and there because i have to fully invest in that time I'm not training all the time where you know I would just grind all day how um how is it training at 6 a.m because there's smaller classes they're early they're mm-hmm. they're there are classes I'll never ever go to <laughs> unless I'm you know still up from the night before or something but how um how is it training with um lower belts how is it I mean how I mean they're good I mean they're I mean you know George and Conrad, they're, I mean, they're older gentlemen, but they'll, they'll give you a fight. Yeah. How, I, I mean, how do you, 
So how do you, because I always hear the excuse of from losers, and I call them losers because it's the loser mentality, is when they're like, well, I don't want to train there because it's all white belts. Oh, I don't want to train there because it's all lower belts. Yeah. But, yet, but yet you have guys who, like Lovato, who built his game. He made a big whole thing. He built his game in isolation. Yeah. He was the only person going to the world-class level. Hoyer Gracie was training in London at the time, and he was the only guy there. Like, look at Adam, what's his name? Adam... Reserves? Yeah. yeah. Like, who is he? Like, the Polish like guy top, from What the top Czech guy is he playing with? Right. right. Like, it's all in what you make it. Like, it, at that at that time, like, when I'm working with white belts, like, yeah, like, I'll work positional sparring. I'll do more positional training. Like, right. obviously, like, if I didn't want them to pass my spider or reverse a leave, I'm not going to let them. I can barambolo them all day, but... There's no fun in, I mean, it is kind of fun when it's like Lou or something. But, <laughs> He's horrible. Uh, but other than that, like, no, it's time for them to learn. And by me and like sharing my knowledge, it just helps reform, like, reform my techniques. Like, you hear it all the time. Like, if you can do a move, like, that's one thing to know a move. But if you can teach it, like, that's when you really right. learn how to do it. And JT Torres is doing a great job right now, like, just teaching. And he, yeah. he even says that, like, his game is on another level just by him opening a school and really committing to teaching. And, like, I really attest to that and, like, really appreciate getting the chance to show other people my game or, like, helping, just helping others and, like the 6 a.m. class, it's small, but that's why we can dive into those small details and work, like, one move for the entire time and just drill and, like, really get it down-packed. And it's fun. It's a good warm-up. I never try to kill them. It's not, like, tournament style because mm -hmm. I don't want them, like, dragging the rest of the day. I just, you know, it's that your body wakes up. And it's a, that's why I say it's better than coffee because it's, like, I don't really drink coffee anyway, <laughs> which is surprising. I'm going to forget you said that. <laughs> um, a lot of people do, but yeah, it, every, to each its own. But for me, it wakes up my body and, like, I'm ready for the day. If I get, like, a good drilling session in or a good, like, just good movement. Like, it's, like, for me, like, when I stretch in the morning or do yoga, like, I'm yeah. awake. Mm -hmm. like, my body's done something. I'm active. I always feel better. Not just drained. Yeah, not me, but um, I would never do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's um, <clears throat> yeah, that's always a hard thing. And, now, and the same thing with JT. JT, I mean, JT. I mean, when I started teaching, I started to understand everything a lot more, and that's why I started to understand a lot more positions. And yeah. I really understand it more and more. Um, and now I understand everything. So I'm just joking. But uh, no, it helps. And I tell people, I'm like, it's just gonna help you. Yeah, I'm like it's just gonna help you. Even if you're working with one on one with somebody during class, it's going it's going to help you. And I tell the and I tell the lower belts that, and I tell them, you know, and I, and I or I try to tell them as much as possible, saying that, listen, when you're in class and the only time you can only come in, don't look at coming into a quote unquote beginners class as a as punishment or no. like uh, uh well you know kind of one of those uh, secondary type of things. Yeah. It, it, use it as a time to. Number one, you know, grab somebody, teach them what you, we just learned, you know, teach them the arm bar, teach them a pat, whatever, and just try to break it down. And then you're going to see that you're going to see that you might be missing details or realize that you've been missing details. Yeah. And it's that uh, teaching somebody else that's like smaller or bigger than you, too. Like, I always found that interesting. Like, 
my body type is not the same as like Lou or yours. Like I do things differently based off my body type and I need to know how to approach that or how to teach somebody else to do what I do. Right. And like, you have to modify it and yeah. you have to find ways to modify it. And I used to do it. I would do it too. Cause I would have, I would have guys here that would be way bigger than me and they wouldn't be able to move their legs or they wouldn't be throw like we had one guy he wouldn't be able to throw his leg over for an arm bar um, and not until he fell down. You know what I mean? Like, so I had to figure out ways of like, well, you don't have to throw your leg over. You can do it here. You can do this. But he literally couldn't do it just because of the, the size issue. Yeah. So um, it's always interesting. It, makes, it does make you think. We have um, a friend, <laughs> speaking of John Danaher, we have a friend, meaning we... Uh, meaning uh, the guys at Newbreed, uh, who's he's a he's a gentleman that trains out in Henzo's. He's got uh, one arm. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a use of his second arm. It's I think it's I think it's cut off at the um, the upper arm, the humor mm-hmm. humerus, I guess. Um, I think was, I think it was born like that. And he is a brown or brown belt or black belt now. I don't know, but at the time when I knew him, he was a purple. And he would say Donahue would love working with him because it would challenge him to figure out certain to do certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, his game would be more of a he's blessed for with height as well. So it's so a lot of triangles and a lot of omoplatas and, and you know a lot of use of the legs when he was playing guard. Yeah. Um, so he said Dan, Donahue would actually again would he would like. You would like working with him because he would be like, okay. Hey, yeah, it's like a different this, challenge. This like, is a challenge, you know? Yeah, I, my first instructor, Paul, had a similar thing with because uh, I trained with Kyle Maynard. Uh, I don't know if yes, you know yes. Kyle Maynard. And, so, and, you know, he has no arms, no legs. And he's got, and he was a wrestler. And it was interesting to see, like, that, that dynamic and, like, that challenge. That's I didn't know you trained with Kyle Maynard. How long, how long did you train with Kyle? Uh, he would stop in every once in a while just because he, you know. Was he from Kyle, the area? Uh, yeah. He was, he's from Georgia. He uh, wrestled at Collins Hill High School. Or, or so, or, okay, let's backtrack. Where are you from? I'm from Georgia. Originally? I'm from a small place called Decula, Georgia. Decula? Decula. Sounds like tequila. Right, Lou? says tequila or they say Dracula, like Dracula. Mm. <laughs> um, but Dracula. And... Um, yeah. So when did you move up here? It's been four Four's years. Been? Okay. Four Four's years now. When did you just, you started eight years ago. You started with, you started with who? I started with Paul Creighton, who's a Henzo Gracie black belt. He got his black belt with, uh, shortly after John Danner and uh, okay. Sean Woods. I've heard that, I've heard that name just. Yeah. Through. And him and then slowly Sam Joseph, the Yamasaki black belt, started training there too. Okay. Who has a gym down in Georgia now, um, but that's those are the two people I trained with when I started, and then I stopped uh, for family reasons and got invited by a friend of mine to train at affiliate of an alliance. Uh, his name's Philippe Gentry, mm-hmm. and we would always travel to headquarters every Tuesday, Thursday, and train at headquarters. How, long, how far was headquarters from? Uh, headquarters was normally an hour away. Alliance headquarters. Yeah, Alliance. Al- headquarters. Sorry, Alliance. Alliance. Uh, Alliance. 
pronounce it right, Dick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I know. So you were there every Tuesday, Thursday. And you were working at the you're working at the academy, correct? Yeah. All right. So oh. Philippe gave me the opportunity to clean the mats and train, and then slowly I became a kids instructor and mm-hmm. got the chance to train full time and yeah, and would travel to all over and compete, and that was what I did. Just did jujitsu full time for a while. Yeah. Until I met my wife. So. It was. It was an honor to clean the mats and teach it, kids, wasn't it? It was. Do that, Luke. I I took that. I like. I'll say that after I stopped jujitsu for a little bit from training at Paul's, like I've I started hanging out with some of the wrong people just because I was trying to find that to fill that void of you know that camaraderie that you get on and off the mat, right? Mm-hmm. And I was just hanging out with people just partying and like wasn't really doing anything like I was just working and just partying and there was there was no path there's nothing for my life because I was really I really loved jujitsu and then it was like it was taken away for uh, for like just family reasons right, it was taken right. away and then when Philippe reached out to me he said I want to talk to you and like and he's like, if you clean the mats, you'll train. And mm-hmm. that day, I was like, I'm dropping everything. I'm fully committed to this. Like, this is what I want to do. And I never looked back. And I fully attest to that giving me purpose, right, right. is finding me direction. And then through jujitsu, I found my wife who trained at the gym. But she oh, did, she did. She did cardio kickboxing. She didn't do. Nice. She didn't do jujitsu. But that's how I met my wife was through What was she gym. doing down there? Uh, so she went to Iowa State for college, and then her and just her best friend wanted to move to Georgia. And she was a vet tech, and they wanted to find a place to work out. And my instructor had a Groupon out because yeah. he was trying to start this, like, women's-only cardio kickboxing right. class. And she was one of the first three to sign up. And let me tell you, the location of this place was you had to literally pass railroad tracks. It was just, like, dark place, and they had no sense being there. But... They liked it, and yeah, I met her, and <laughs> I dug her for her squats, and that was it. <laughs> so you uh, so you moved up here for 2014, yeah, because she's from here. Yeah, she's from, from here, from Illinois, she's from uh, in Lake County, Antioch, Lake Villa area. Okay, that's and and you have two boys, correct? Yep, two boys, Isaac, who is four, and Dylan, who is one. Is he one of the best rappers in the world? <laughs> he is because my son's middle initials Miguel, so his his initials are DMC. So <laughs> <laughs> it's great. But um, you um, so another thing that I think. What other what other questions do they ask you? Uh, I don't know where my phone is. They ask me like, have I ever been in slumps? What's the oh? Here's one for from uh, from Juni. The the difference, the style's different. That's the one I know off the top of my head. Yeah. Because um, it's such a dumb question, I'm joking. <laughs> so I feel like it's definitely based off uh, when I started jiu-jitsu, it was very alliance. Roberto Travin was the big thing down in Atlanta, was that rivalry. Because there's this yeah. whole fallout of Roberto yeah, Travin. Right. Um, and Roberto Travin was known for spider either guard. spider guard yeah. or, but a lot of their guys were just known for passing on the knees. Ooh, which, I like it. Which I find interesting that it's very like up here where like the Carlson Gracie like pressure like smash style. But 
then there's also the Alliance version where I trained with Cobri. Like I got to train with Cobrino a couple times, and that was it's very leg drag, very outside passing, right. so a lot more standing. Um, so that's mostly it. Like just the difference in passing, not so, and a little difference in guard play, like more half guard up here than the open guard down there. Uh, the you see a lot more spider down there than anything because of mm -hmm. Roberto Trevin and Cobrinha's influence right. back in the day. Um, but then when Lucas came in, it was very a lot of people just immediately started playing sit up and started playing, uh, you know, going underneath and working takedowns a little bit more. Yeah. So it it all depends on who's in the area. I feel like it's, he gets influenced through the through the um, yeah. Did you get a chance to train with uh, some of the other guys that I know, like Donovan, Jennifer Donovan, or, or I, Derek I, Battle? Yeah, I, I never or trained like, with Derek Battle. Trained with uh, Donovan a couple times. Yeah. But when I started, it was Alec Balding was a purple belt. Jordan Schultz was a purple belt. Ian McPherson was a brown belt. Uh, and yeah, like those were the guys that I, like, Came up with Ian McPherson just showed us pretty cool. Um, that, yeah, yeah, that's why I wasn't worried at fight to win with somebody attacking my ankles because I had Ian McPherson on my ankles for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> he's a doctor, isn't he? Uh, no, no, he's not. He, that's his, Moriarty. His, uh, yeah, Moriarty was a doctor. Moriarty's a doctor. Moriarty and then a doctor. Uh, yeah. McPherson, he's just a long hair hippie. Yeah. Uh, he, some of, he had some good stuff. You know, yeah. He's not a hippie, but. Just a long hair. He has, <laughs> he has some really cool stuff. Yeah. Um, but he just kind of stopped competing, right? He just, yeah. yeah. Seemed yeah. like he just kind of stopped. He was like, yeah, fuck it. I'm done. Yeah. Because he was up there with, like, the Americans. like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because he was he was causing havoc. He was, Him and Macau, uh, John Thomas, were were both causing havoc from headquarters. Yeah, that's good. Um, so how is the training down in Aliante? <laughs> yeah, it was intense, especially at Co did they have? Did they have like a lot of? Uh, did they have the pro training or you know what I mean? I feel like it the, felt this like everything pro... was pro training, okay. right? Because and it was very strict, right? What do you mean? But where I mean, Cobrinha and like when it was time to train, it was time to train. Like there was no BS, and it would be like mm. two hour classes where we would do those dynamic warm ups and like just workouts because. We're conditioning more than jujitsu, and then it's just long ten-minute matches when we don't even fight ten-minute matches. Uh, but it's all mm -hmm. for. It seems like it was more for Cobrinha and all of them, like their training, than anything else, and it was just constant beatings. But it was good. It was fun. Like I definitely enjoyed it. But that's just he was winning a lot of champ. Cobrinha was winning a lot of champions, even when he was training with like lower-level belts. Again. Yeah. Yeah, it's what you make out of it. Instead yeah. of having loser talk, where like I don't want to train there because it's white belts or yeah, I don't want to train with white belts. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, another. I forgot when he was. <clears throat> he would tell the story when he was down at H, down at HQ. He would it would be like a lot of lower belts, so he would do a lot of um, the drills, like the dynamic drills. Yeah. To keep his cardio up and keep keep a lot moving. of King of the Hill was like yeah. one of the very yeah, man. things. It's like, positional, King positional, and that's why. Yeah. I love doing positional, and I don't. I don't think we do it enough. Uh, I would love to have just an entire hour of positional. Yeah. To, you know what I mean. But like, 
everybody always wants to know the only wants to learn the newest thing so yeah <laughs> they're hard they get tired of working right Stefan <laughs> yeah I definitely asked Brady like why he didn't uh, or like would ask Lucas like why they didn't go to like Brazil more like to Sao Paulo and like train it's like they were the ones that said like you make do with what you got right like why am I gonna abandon these guys to go and train with other black belts when I can like get these guys better to where I can just train here full time right, right. Like, that's the goal that's the, that's goal, the goal of their academies right that it's should to, be the goal is to get those guys good enough to where like look at the Mendes brothers they don't have to compete now because they get I feel like they get that competition in there even though they're still whooping them but they they have really they good get guys. Yeah, they, they get, get challenged, challenged every day at their gym. Doesn't seem like it, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they do. Yeah, and that's that's another group, right? I mean, they had the Atos, but I mean, San Diego to Costa Mesa. I mean, that's a that's kind of that's quite a drive, and they weren't doing that every day. No. Um, but I think when when they opened AOJ, I think they were just exclusively up there working with themselves and yeah. working with whoever they can grab. And again, it's what you make of it. And I think a lot of people misunderstand that and it's and it's and that's why I mean even Patty will say that Patty was used to tell Fabi she's like when Fabi first came in she didn't know anything and <clears throat> she would just try to get her up to speed she's like I need to get you up to speed and I would say that I need to get you guys up to speed because I need to compete and the faster yeah. you guys the faster you guys the faster you guys get better the, the quicker you get yeah. quicker you're gonna help me and and um yeah I haven't uh I mean, usually I've just been prepping up here for comps, and I don't need to go really much anywhere else. I mean, yeah. every once in a while, I mean, you know, I'll go and train with, uh, like, Nick Spacek and just half-guard sweep him all the time. But then I stop because I'm like, that's not a challenge. Um, <laughs> but no, you know what I mean? So I don't yeah. – there's not a need for me to go out a lot, I feel, um, when I when I have to prep myself, so – Happy, I feel like it just shows a test to like our training too, like where, I, like for fight to win, I didn't go to New Breed at all, and like it's all training here, it's all right, and I can go out there, and it's really representing our gym. Like I yeah, feel yeah. like it's not like me cross training with all these different guys. Like, yeah, even though I think that's great, I think it's great to train with other bodies, but I do take pride in just training with our group and like getting results and like showing them like it's okay to it's okay to train here guys yeah uh, you know I get it. no i get it you guys that's something i tell lou lou, lou, lou is always whining uh i'm just joking uh <laughs> so what uh here's a couple questions from patty um she put out there pretty good and i'll try to we'll try to go maybe like rapid fire here but um yeah, what got you into jiu-jitsu? Um, not wanting to be the guy that goes back to a high school reunion and ends up being fat. Perfect. <laughs> um, I just don't go to my high school reunion, so I can be the fat guy outside of the reunion. And I'm winning. <laughs> you ever been in a slump? Yes. Plateau? How do you get out of it? Um, plateau? By, like... It just felt like I wasn't growing. Like, it felt like I really needed to change my style and really dive deep into what I needed to fix. Like, it was this point where I was 
just doing my A game all the time, and yeah. I, got, I got bored. No? Oh. I, like, it, it got to the point where I just got bored that I could sweep them with this one sweep, and like, okay, like, I need to find a way to get out of this slump, because it's a different kind of slump. It doesn't... Like, there's always that motivation if you're in this, like, bad slump to do better. But when yeah. you're in this weird slump where you're doing well, but you're, like, not improving either. Like, right. it's, it's a weird feeling. And it's really diving deep and, like, analyzing what is missing in your game. And then, like, pulling yourself out of it. And that's when you depend on your coaches. And that's why I always ask, like, how did that feel? Like, what can I work on? And I feel like asking those questions and not being scared to find your weaknesses, which I know my biz- biggest weakness, because Junie asks what my biggest weakness in my game is, and that's my patience. Not, uh, are you ticklish? And, uh, <laughs> I won't release that. I plead the fifth on that. But I am, I'm very impatient. I don't like people that stall or I get annoyed. I'm it, like, like if I do win, I'm very aggressive like I like to push the pace I like that and if I find somebody that stalls I usually end up making a mistake because I'm trying to make something happen and sometimes and it doesn't always work out but that's that's my flaw is that somebody just sits there and wants to hold me I yeah don't, I don't like that no I, I I don't like that either I try to move as much as I can even though I can fucking hold people down no <laughs> um no I try to move as much as I can just because number one it gets me Gets you, you know, moving and in shape, and it just it's just a lot more fun. Yeah, <laughs> it is. What um, so here's um, here's a few things. Uh, how off? How how early did you start competing? Two months in. Two months in. Why? Uh, I was always just competitive, and I, once I found out that there was competitions, so I was like, yeah, sign me up. Like, I'll do it. I signed up for a Naga. Yeah, I, I did really well. Uh, my first, well, I did really well for most of my match because Naga, they gave you two points per submission attempt, and I was winning like oh, yeah. 20 to 2 because I kept on transitioning from omoplata to triangle to armbar just constantly. And they would give you two points for each transition. Right. And then 30 seconds left, the guy arm drags and takes my vex and chokes me. So, <laughs> it, but I just thought it was just, it was fun. <laughs> it was cool. And, yeah. What um? What are they saying here? There's another good question here. Um, so I think we answered a couple of these just having a conversation um, with you know pressure. <clears throat> do you pressure or you know through the? Well, actually, no. Jermaine got a Jermaine has a pretty good question. Um, do you feel like one puts more pressure on you over the other? He's talking about IBJJF and fight to win. Which one? Which is more pressure filled? I think you might have answered it, but I don't. I don't know. Uh, for I think it's all on what you personally want your goals to be. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I definitely my goals are definitely more towards fight to win right now, just because of the platform that that does like with the video streaming and like the outreach that it can do, and it's solely focused on your match. Whereas at IBJJF, like there's right. a bunch of like. Not everyone knows me because I competed at IBJJF. Like, um, but back in the day, yeah, I felt a lot more pressure with IBJJF just because those were the big tournaments and I was expected to win those, and I didn't. And so that's all the pressure that you feel is always 
self-inflicted as you never be by your coaches or peers or anything it's always self-inflicted pressure so there really shouldn't be i put pressure on Lizzo. um that's a different type of pressure (laughs) um so you (laughs) (laughs) he um so so petty pick another one that was a good one Uh, that was a good one jermaine that's uh which one do you prefer to do ibjf or fight to win i prefer fight to win yeah most people most people do um, the crowd's awesome. It's, I usually, it's fun. yeah. I mean, it's. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's easier, but it's. You can. It's a different type of adrenaline. I, I talked to Tioti about it uh, before we went on. Tioti, Tioti's not even awake. But but Tioti is very. So he was telling me that he gets nervous right before he steps up onto the like platform and and I was like that's when I feel my calmest is right before I walk really. out and it's strange like it's the energy like it just brings this whole different atmosphere that like I like that I seem to thrive in and I just want it makes me just want to perform my best even more and mm. it really gives me that platform to showcase my jujitsu and show all these other people that you can be like me and uh, just I'm I'm a dad. I work an eight hour day and then I train and this is my passion and I get to showcase it for everybody to see. Like it's it's an awesome feeling. What um is there when you had the layoff? How did it feel when you came back? How long were you off for? Um, Meaning not your first one, but the between here. I was off for like uh, roughly three years. I would say uh, about three years. Just because of the work that I ended up doing and then yeah those are horrible hours yeah it was it was ridiculous and um and it took away time from my family and then when I would have free time it would just be me wanting to spend as much time with my kids as possible Mm because I wasn't getting that and but my wife was very supportive and like I need to get back and stop stop worrying about that as much like that and that's why we started at 6 a.m because now i get my training in i go to work and i can still spend time with my kids and that's what benefits that's what motivates me to get up in the morning <coughs> i get to train and i get to spend time and night i get to yeah yeah so there's always um so well that's kind of answers how you're able to balance your training because you do it in the morning and there's yeah. always a yeah there's always morning classes and i tell people like, it's always 6 a.m mm-hmm. Too, yeah. too early. Well, fuck it. Um, I just really, gotta say, fuck if it. You, if you really want to train, point, like, there's always right. a class that you yeah. can train at. Like, yeah. you're just making excuses for not training. If you're like, ah, it's it's too early for me, but you know, I don't do the noon class either, or I hardly go to the night class. Like, where do you? Where do you yeah. Do? And then, uh, yeah. Well, Jenny Rowe. Jenny Rowe. Going back to Jenny Rose. Uh, we interviewed Jen, Jenny Rowe. She was just like. Yeah, her, you know, she, the way she, they plan out their day, her and her husband, I mean, it's, it, I'm so, I'm so blown away at the fact that how supportive he is. And it's rarely, I rarely hear that from spouses, um, especially being a little older. Mm-hmm. I, I rarely hear that. And it's nice and it, it's nice to hear that. It, it it, very, there's a lot of supportive spouses out there because I know that I've, we've had guys not quit because of their, the, significant other i wouldn't say just guy guys and gals yeah quit because of their significant other because they didn't they weren't supportive and um i know i know i talked to robbie about it and robbie's wife is super supportive and it also helps that she is like 
Miss. Um, she's like Miss Social Butterfly, and she's like yeah. she's got her her network of friends is just humongous. So <laughs> she's not depending on <laughs> on yeah. Robbie to. Yeah, see, my my situation is definitely different. Where my wife is supportive, especially when there's a goal in in mind. Like she knew the fight to win it. She knows how like important it is to me, and that's when because. For my job, I do travel, and if I travel, that's 24-7 with the kids. Right, right. And it, it takes a toll. Like, my kids are a handful. And if I have a goal in mind, and, like, she she allows me to come and train at night, I know that by me coming and training at night, that's just more time that she has to deal with the kids. Like, she doesn't have this whole big social life at besides my kids because they're you know one and four like my oldest yeah, one is in high school yeah. um now she's hanging out with one-year-olds so she's talking to a little <laughs> baby all day and like she's like i just want a grown-up conversation or want a break from the kids when i get home and i play with them it like gives her time to just relax a little bit so it's a different dynamic where she is supportive but she is happy that i'm was able to like that you were able to or gave me the opportunity to do the 6 a.m. class mm-hmm. where I could get my training in but still have my family time because it's not only my family time it's her break time too <laughs> yeah I do the same thing with Patty and I sit and I go and I play with Ian <laughs> and uh you know no I'm just joking you showed um, him a Practices his practices guard. Golf guard, and he insults everybody when they don't play it. It's like, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to be supportive if they lose after tournament. You should have played belt guard. That's when you're a little lost. I'm like, little fucker. Um, I need to show him how it feels strip, apparently, too. Yeah, you don't know anything. Um, so here's one I probably never asked one of the parents. This is a good question. If I should be asking some parents, more parents. Um, what kind of message do you want to send others, your sons? Like, what kind of, like, what's your, like, when it comes to just, I guess, overall, like, you're just kind of like jujitsu, kind of like, what kind of message do you want to send? Um, I want to send the message of that, that if, especially to the people that are nervous about competing, mm-hmm. and, like, the people that want to compete, but they're nervous because, oh, I don't train that much. Oh, like, I can only make it these many days a week. That should never feel like you shouldn't use that as a crutch. You shouldn't use that. Like I can only make it to 6 a.m. sometimes just because of my family schedule. Is that a bad thing? No. Like I should not feel guilty about spending time with my kid. Right. Right. Like jujitsu is always there and it's should like jujitsu should not hinder your life. Like it's a lifestyle. It's always here right for you and it should never discourage you from accomplishing your goals like mm-hmm. if you want to compete the only person that's stopping you competing is you and that's what i want to show is that i do 6 a.m classes and i feel confident in my game and i'm going to go out there and try my best and mm-hmm. that's what other people should do too and i also want to motivate like be the same person on and off the mat like i don't want people to see me on the mat and like super like intense or here and like be intense outside or i i was taught that i want to be a role model on and off the mat like especially that fight to win like with all those kids being there i don't i don't want them seeing me like act a fool like afterwards 
uh, because I won, like just because I won, like it's okay to act like this. Like, no, I want to be humble. I want to, like, I was excited about my victory, but I, like, people don't know that I messaged the guy that I asked him if he was okay because I genuinely care. Like, that's the type of person I am. And I don't need people to know that. But for people to see that and acknowledge it, like the fact that George posted something about, me being a role model and that he's happy that his daughter was there to see me like help somebody off i didn't do it for that reason i did it because i genuinely care but i do enjoy that other people take notice and i want to inspire others to be true to themselves and not be dicks and not be dicks yeah pretty much hear that stuff yeah Yeah. dick. um (laughs) but yeah man that um that was cool that was awesome that was this was good this is uh I'm glad you're doing it. it. It's almost been a while, or it's been probably the first time that we've sat down and talked about Jiu-Jitsu because of their because of our schedule. Because again, yeah. I'll never go to 6 a.m. ever, <laughs> um, and it's rare because we're coming here. I'm always flying around. Yeah. Anyway, so but yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, I appreciate thank it. You. Um, anything? Anything else to add? Anything? Do you? Anything for for the Lake County? students or whatever let's go train if you want to learn a loop choke you know where to go it's 6 a.m <laughs> where it's at uh, <laughs> you learn passes like little tease but yeah you got to try to get more people into 6 a.m yeah you know? for sure yeah so. i try to pump it out as much as i can but i probably do a little bit more of a better job of that one that was my fault but, <laughs> no, uh, cool. no, it's all right it's all good <laughs> all right awesome man thank you no thank you all right, so that wraps it up. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Josh. I certainly did. Um, so I uh, hope you got, got to know a little bit about Josh and uh, kind of his start and his journey. Uh, some pretty good, some pretty good questions there. Some good answers. Some good Q and A, which happened during that interview. And again, um, you know, during this time of the interview, he was still brown. Uh, excuse me, a purple belt. So it was my pleasure to. Promoting him, promote him to a brown belt. When you promote somebody to a next belt, you know you obviously look at skill and all that. But uh, one of the big things is also intangibles, and Josh has him. He's a great person, great family man, great dad, great training partner. So uh, I'm pretty sure you guys can hear that through his interview, uh, how passionate he is about jujitsu. So uh, until next time, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I will see you guys on the mat. Bye.